December 14th of last year was the last time we recorded one of these from the Artichoke Music Cafe. And I told you I would wait until I could get vaccinated. And two weeks ago, I got my second shot. And that's why we're back at Artichoke today and very happy to be here. And we don't plan to be anywhere else. Dino Paris is with me. He's a therapist, what we used to call a shrink, but we're too polite to anymore. I wanted to talk with him about the effects of the pandemic on creativity and what we can do about those effects to help ourselves and each other. It's for all of you, and especially me. Meet Dino Paris. From the cafe. Hello, Dino. Hi, Tom. <laughs> we're in the cafe. We've never met, but we're in the cafe. We're, we're not on Skype or Zoom or one of those things. No, I got real coffee right in front and of me. And we're sitting across from each other. I can actually see you. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's really... Another a, human being. It's just, it's so, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. It's very good. Glad to be here and uh, glad to be back here. We haven't been here in the cafe for months now, you know? Wow. Yeah, but uh, we, 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 we came back for a little while and then the, then the, the, the virus spiked and we had to go away again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm all vaccinated. You're all vaccinated. Yeah. Well, thank you for inviting me for your renewed maiden voyage. <laughs> well, all right. Um, are, is, it, is it fair to call you a therapist? Yes. Therapist, counselor. I'm a licensed marriage family therapist officially. Okay. All right. I had a I, one of my ex-wives and I went to went to a, 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 a couple's therapist one time. Oh, really? How'd she, it go? She threw us out. Yeah, the therapist threw you out. Yes. <laughs> I've never done that. Anyway. Yeah, it was it, well, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty volatile, but yeah. we both we, we walked out because we got thrown out, right? Yeah. And we just started laughing. And then you got back together. <laughs> no. You had so much fun getting thrown out. No, we've no. never gotten back together. We're, well, we're on good terms, though. She lives in Paris. Well, I always say, you know, <laughs> if you're going to get divorced, you might as well have a good divorce. Yeah, absolutely. I've had, se I've had several of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, look, um, what, the, the reason I wanted you to be here was to talk about the effect of, the, of this pandemic on creativity. Mm. Now, there was a piece by a, a woman named Sarah Lyle, uh, L-Y-A-L-L, um, in the New York Times on Sunday. Mm. And I'm just going to give you a little, because she, she does kind of explain what we're talking about here. It says, like many of us, the writer Susan Orlean is having a hard time concentrating these days. Good morning to everyone, she tweeted recently, but especially to the sentence I just rewrote for the 10th time. I feel like I'm in quicksand, she explained by phone from California, where she's been under quasi-house arrest for the past year. I'm just so exhausted all the time. I'm doing so much less than I normally do. I'm not traveling. I'm not entertaining. I'm just sitting in front of my computer, but I am accomplishing way less. It's like a whole new math. I have more time and fewer obligations, yet I'm getting so much less done. Call it late, late uh, pandemic crisis of productivity, of will, of enthusiasm, of purpose. Call it a bout of existential work-related ennui provoked partly by the realization that sitting in the same chair, in the same room, staring at the same computer for 12 straight months and counting has left many of us feeling like burned-out husks, hmm. dim-witted approximations of our once productive selves. I, this, that could be me. Really? Yeah. Every, every April Fool's, I usually write something really funny. 
and I have fooled many people with 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 our April Fools' uh, uh, <laughs> stories. Right, one year I I, um, I fooled everybody when I said that Huffington Post had bought Oregon Music News. <laughs> And, and, well, and the thing is, I, I'm able to, to write convincingly that way because for a while I wrote for one of the supermarket tabloids. Oh, really? Every, every story was, was made up because I know what, 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 you know what journalism should sound like. Mm. Anyway, but I couldn't write it this year. I couldn't do it. I could not think of anything funny. And I, I, I have those same symptoms. Have you seen people, that, uh, uh, have you seen this to be true? I have, I have, and um, you know, it's interesting. She talked about having the same chair, the same place, the same table. My experience, and this may be a novel approach to life, and it's what's been helping me be productive, creative, happy, and calm throughout the pandemic and my clients, is that the key thing that impacts people, I believe, is the same thoughts that it's more than the table and the chair and the pandemic. It's what are the thoughts that are entering our minds because negative thoughts will impact us on a feeling level and give us negative feelings. And it's very hard to be free and creative if you're feeling paralyzed or crippled by your uh -huh. feelings. Uh -huh. And one of the things that I like to tell people is that you're in charge of your mind and you get to determine what thoughts go into your head and not. In fact, I have a little, I have many methods for helping people do this, but my funniest favorite one is my Jerry Seinfeld uh, method for keeping negative thoughts out of your head. Uh -huh. So I'll be walking down the street or driving down the highway, and I could see a bad thought coming from a mile away. And then I just say, that's a bad thought. <laughs> I need a good thought. And that's, uh, that's, that's okay with me. Because many of the bad thoughts that people have, they think they're having them because they're true. But my opinion is that many things are unknowable. And if something is unknowable, like am I a valuable person? Am I having a good day? If it's unknowable, I ask people to consider putting a useful thought in their mind as opposed to a true thought. And useful just means it's gonna give you a good feeling. And that's how in the middle of the pandemic, there is a whole group of people who are feeling happier than ever and having more fun and being more creative. And I actually have a class where I teach people how to do that. I have not met these people. Well, you're looking at one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your first. And in fact, you may be your second after this interview. Well, maybe. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps it will take more than one interview. But you know, the thing is, the, the the bad many of the bad thoughts for instance because i have uh i i you know, I, I fit out the profile of of uh, somebody who's going to die if they get the virus right uh, that i'm you know there's that's a legitimate worry every worry is legitimate and in fact just the fact that it's in our head means it's legitimate my approach to thought and belief is that not everything in our head is true or real. It's a story. There's a whole branch of counseling called narrative therapy that talks about the impact and the importance of the stories that are in our minds. In fact, it's very difficult to move a mountain from one side of the country to another. 
very difficult, expensive, almost impossible. But once you learn the key belief that beliefs are flexible, that beliefs are just that, beliefs, they're stories in our minds, and very few things are absolute or true. Once you know that secret and you realize that you can flex your thoughts, replace thoughts with other thoughts, and that the brain works like that, Every part of the brain is a two-way street. So if I have a negative thought in my mind, it will create a negative feeling. If I do a negative action, like I slump down with my head down, breathe shallowly, I'll become depressed. But if I reach back with my shoulders, clap my hands and say yes, with no reason at all, I'll suddenly be happy. And there are ways that you can learn how to, they're basically like in a video game when you have hacks or cheats in a video game, mm -hmm. there are things that you can specifically do intentionally that will immediately change your mood. And they range from changing your thoughts, changing the way you're moving, breathing. There are even, um, there's even knowledge now of how to impact your nervous system and change your nervous system from the uh, fight or flight response to the rest and digest response immediately. Just by breathing in certain ways, rubbing your lips, smiling, it's amazing how hackable we are. And very few people know this. But even the people who know it sometimes won't give themselves permission to do it. Because they'll be like, well, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm sitting in front of the same table. Everybody's having troubles. I can't give myself permission to be happy. And so you have those two issues. One is the how-to, and then there's the giving yourself permission to be happy. And the way that I give myself permission to be happy is my why is I want everyone on this planet to be happy and loving. So I always have to start with myself and the person sitting across from me. And I've seen it happen. In fact, the group that I do, we, we take data. Every week on Tuesday nights, I send a form to these people. And we have four feelings, happy, sad, anxious, and angry. Mm -hmm. And I have them rate themselves, the beginning of the group, from zero to 100 how intense their feeling is in any of those categories, mm -hmm. and at the end of the group, and then I track those numbers over time, and for every single person in the group, they're getting happier, less angry, less anxious, and uh, less sad. Hmm. By doing what? So every week I teach them a new technique. Uh -huh. um, one of the techniques is simply called emotion follows motion. Meaning, whatever you do with your body contributes to how you feel. So we literally play with ways of moving the body that cause happiness. So for example, you're sitting down now. Um, you don't even need to get up to do this. But if you wanted, you could raise your eyebrows, smile, and put your hands out like a bird, <laughs> and you would immediately feel better. Really? Do you want to try it together? All right, raise your eyebrows, I'll do the same. Smile. <laughs> and do you feel any better? No. All right, well, it didn't work. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, well, because I feel silly. You feel silly. So but, that's a good thing. Well, silly is one step from sad to happy, I suppose. If you got yourself to laugh and you don't even know why, it's basically one step. And it's just like a muscle. <laughs> Look, you're laughing again. I don't even know why. Maybe because you were silly. But the thing is, it's like going to the gym and working out. As you work with these methods, doing them two or three minutes a day, mm -hmm. you develop this tendency to just become happy for 
no apparent reason. An another method is using your breathing. There's a type of breathing called triangle breathing, which literally will move you from the sympathetic nervous system to the parasympathetic nervous system, meaning um, the sympathetic nervous system is primarily concerned with acceleration and being overwhelmed and anxious. Uh -huh. The parasympathetic nervous system is related to being more calm and tranquil. So just by doing certain types of breathing, if you smile and soften your eyes and your gaze and you just breathe slowly, that will start to calm a person down immediately. Um, there's a type of breathing called triangle breathing where you breathe in for a certain number of beats, let's say three, you hold for a certain number of beats, let's say three, and then you exhale. And if you just do that a few times, you can ask your listeners to try it. No matter how anxious you're feeling, you will start to feel more relaxed. It's hmm. another technique. So how does this relate to creativity? Well, when you think about it, um, certain things encourage creativity. Now, interestingly... A paycheck is one. A paycheck is one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but for example, let's say you're trying to write a song mm -hmm. and you're feeling stuck. Mm -hmm. um, that could impact your creativity if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling so anxious you can't get started or you're procrastinating. But if you do get your flow going, you can actually use your negative mood to, um, to transform what you're feeling by expressing those feelings through your creativity. You know, a good example is the blues, right? Where you're like, mm -hmm. I feel so bad, I could die. Suddenly I feel better. It's, it's you know, if you listen to, to good blues, it's, it's often coming from an authentic place. But if you're just feeling stuck, then it's hard to let that out. So there are methods, for example, one, I, I actually work with creative people to help them get over things like writer's block. And the way that we do it is with a method called EMDR, which stands for Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. And basically, if someone's stuck, I have them flood themselves with whatever feelings they're feeling, stuckness, le lethargy, mm -hmm. um, sadness, depression, hopelessness. And once they feel that, I have them breathe into the feelings, breathe through their bodies where they're feeling it, and trace it back in time. And what happens then is a negative memory will bubble up. And then when that negative memory bubbles up, I put them through a process called the MDR where they have what's called bilateral stimulation, right, left, right, left. So they might tap themselves right, left, mm -hmm. or if they're in the office with me, wear headphones or hold things in their hands. And we go through this process where they free associate about it and start out with a memory that's maybe a nine or a 10 in trauma mm -hmm. or disturbance and get down to a zero or a one. And suddenly by releasing those negative feelings, they're freed up and they can start to um, be more creative. There's also an ancient Hawaiian method called Ho'oponopono, mm -hmm. which the word pono in Hawaiian means right, and Ho'oponopono means making things right. If people want to take a deep dive into that, there's a book called Zero Limits um, that will really help take people through. But the basics of that is if you're feeling a negative feeling, let's say sadness or stuckness mm -hmm. or lack of creativity, you think about, okay, who's my trigger person for that? You close your eyes, you see whose face comes up. Maybe it's your boss who's demanding 
you know, the next project, or maybe it's just between you and yourself. And then you begin by looking at the trigger person, who could be you or the other person. You say their name in the context of whatever you feel transcendent. Some people it's God, the universe, whatever you believe in, trees. And you start saying, thank you for this opportunity to release my stuckness. And then over and over again you say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Then you speak to the stuckness inside of your heart. You say, stuckness, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> Just like a Care Bear stare, you melt the stuckness with your love. And then you speak to the trigger person. Let's say your boss is Frank. Frank, I love you, I love you, I love you. <laughs> and then you say to yourself, Dino, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then you go back to uh, the, the trigger person and you say, Frank, I'm sorry for feeling so stuck whenever I think of you. And then, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then you say, please forgive me for feeling so stuck. And by the end of doing that, most people feel incredibly relaxed and calm and have released that feeling of stuckness. And then suddenly, not only are they able to perform and be expressive, but a certain level of magic sometimes happens. And maybe my relationship with Frank, because I've dissolved the negativity between us in my mind, suddenly becomes a better relationship. And he becomes more supportive of my craft as opposed to threatening. And so that is a very powerful, in fact, I swim every morning. And while I'm swimming, I do Ho'oponopono. I think about my kids, my clients, and myself, anyone who seems to generate a negative feeling inside of me. And almost every single day I get a phone call later that some miracle has happened. Something amazing has released for people. And the, the idea is that if it exists in my mind and my heart, then that's where it exists. And if I release it within me, it can release in, in the universe as well. How does that relate to being funny? Well, what are, are you saying? Uh, what are you saying about being funny? I, I'm, are you saying, how does that relate to being funny? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a really good question. I never thought about that. So are you trying to be funny or? I'm, I always try to be funny. You're trying to be funny. I always do. Okay. That's so who I am. are you asking me, is there a method of counseling or therapy that can make a person more funny? No, who's, who's stuck and, oh, and can't be funny. Oh, got it. Okay. So in other See, words, that's what happened. That's what happened to me that happened on, to on April Fool's Day. All right. I could not write the funny. I could not write the joke. All right. So. Can I demonstrate how to make you feel funny again? <laughs> okay. All right. There you go, laughing again. So you're already funnier. All right. So take a few just slow, long breaths. And I want you to think about April Fool's Day and not being able to be funny. Now, in that moment, what emotion were you feeling that seemed like it might have been preventing you from being funny? Anxiety feeling? and despair. Okay, so you got to pick one. We'll do, we could do both, but we got to do them one at a time. Which one is more on your mind now, anxiety or despair? Despair. So let's start with despair, okay? By the way, if we get to 50, 50 minutes, you just tell me, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm fine. I'm okay. fine. This is, uh, this is just what I do. I know. If I was a billionaire on the beach, I'd play tennis and swim in the morning. Then I'd go to a cafe and have these kind of conversations because <laughs> it's just that's what I am. That's okay. the kind of animal I am. I love this. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So take a few slow breaths, and I want you to tell me who 
was the trigger person for feeling, um, what was the word you used? Despair. Despair. Yeah. Do you see your own face or somebody else's face? Uh, both. Okay, so who's more prominent, some other person or you, just in this moment? It could be different in two minutes. Me. So it's between you and yourself. Right. And do you but, believe... But that's not really true. I mean, uh, I, I would say it's um, the owner of my building. The owner of your building. Yeah. So let's just call him owner so mm -hmm. we don't get into any trouble here. I don't care. You don't care. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in, in your mind's eye, you could see his face? I've never met him. Okay, so do you have a face in mind for him? Or can you hear his voice on the phone? I've never talked to him. So what, uh, what image do you have in your mind when you think of him and feel despair? Um, do you see the building? Do you yeah, see like, yeah, the, uh, the building? What we used to call yuppies. Yeah, so we picture a yuppie who owns your yeah. building who you are just feeling despair because it's difficult to pay the rent sometimes. No, that's not it. He's, what is it? He's... He's uh, ruined the quality of life in the building by his actions. All right. So can you feel that? Can you feel a sense oh, of despair? Every about day. It? And can you picture some sort of generic yuppie doing that? Absolutely. All right. And let's just um, give him a name just for the convenience of it for you. Or you could keep the name in your mind okay. if you want. Yeah. Do you have the name in your mind? Yeah. All right. So take a few slow breaths. The question I have, do you believe in anything sort of transcendent? Do you like walk through the forest or hear music and feel uplifted? Do you believe in God? Do you believe in anything? Uh, even like uh, love, a, well, community? A, well, I believe in love. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a really complicated question. Can we use love though? Sure. All right, so love is sure. transcendent. So take a few slow breaths and imagine that you're surrounded by love. Mm -hmm. And in, in this essence of love, I want you to look at your landlord and say his name in your heart and then say these words in your heart, not out loud. Mm -hmm. Landlord, thank you for this opportunity to release my despair. And then just say over and over again, thank you, thank you, thank you in your heart. You ready? Mm -hmm. so take a slow breath. If you want, you could raise your eyebrows and smile, but you don't <laughs> have to. And just look at your landlord, say his name in your heart and say, Thank you for this opportunity to release my despair. And over and over again, just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And do that for a moment. Thank you for this opportunity to release my despair. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then take a nice, slow, cleansing breath. <sighs> Sighing helps too. And now I want you to imagine that you see despair in your own heart. Do you remember that show, the, the Care Bears from back in the day? Or no. Not? Okay, don't worry about it. So what I want I'm, you to I'm do old, is... I'm too old. Okay. Imagine that you're going to use love to melt despair. So I'm going to have you say, I love you to despair, but you're not actually in love with despair. You're just going to use your love to melt the despair. You following me? Mm -hmm. So take a nice slow breath. Imagine there's despair inside you and just say despair in, in your heart quietly. Despair... I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And by the way, the listeners out there can do this as well with whatever mm -hmm. feelings they're having. Despair, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And now take another slow cleansing breath and just say to your landlord, say his name, even though maybe you don't love him, and just use love to transform life. Say his name in your heart and just say, landlord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over again. And take another slow cleansing breath 
and then say to yourself, even though maybe when you're feeling despair, maybe you don't love yourself, but just say it anyway. Tom, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over again. It's a nice slow breath. Tom, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Now another slow cleansing breath, still in the context of love. And just look at him and say his name and say, Landlord, I'm sorry I feel so much despair when I look at you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Over and over again, breathing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And now, even if it doesn't make any sense to you, say the landlord's name in your heart. Landlord, please forgive me for feeling so much despair when I look at you. And over and over again, just say, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And then take another long, slow breath. And in any order you like, say to yourself, say to despair and say to your landlord over and over thank you thank you thank you thank you i love you i love you i love you i love you <sighs> i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry please forgive me as long as you like in any order and when you're done just take a really nice cleansing breath and now just check yourself from head to toe and just tell me what you're feeling now i feel like i want to bust them in the mouth all right so anger Yes. So now we've let go of the despair and we're into anger. Mm -hmm. Do you want me to, can I do anger with you again? Sure. Is that okay? Sure. Okay, great. So now we're going to do anger. You're doing wonderfully, by the way. <laughs> You've released despair and now we're into anger. You're moving right along. So we're going to do the exact same thing. Is it still your landlord who's the trigger person oh, for yeah. the anger? Okay. Oh, yeah. So yeah. picture your landlord in the context of love and say his name in your heart. Take a slow breath and say, <sighs> landlord. Thank you for this opportunity to release all my anger. He, picture him as the Roto-Rooter man who's drudging up not only the anger that has to do with how he behaves, but every single drudged up shred of anger that you have from the time even when you were born or a little boy. He's the Roto-Rooter man drudging it up, and he's going to help you release it. That's why we're thanking him. So take a slow breath. Look at him and say, Landlord, thank you for this opportunity to release all my anger and just say over and over again thank you thank you thank you thank you over and over and over again and then take another slow breath and just look at your anger inside the same way you did earlier with love you're going to melt your anger with love and just say to your own anger anger even if you don't mean it just to melt it anger huh. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over again. Anger, I love you, I love you. Now, even though you don't love them, because you want to bop them in the mouth, take a slow breath and say, Landlord, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over again. Even if you don't mean it, just to get it out. Landlord, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And now look at yourself in the context of love. And even though you're going through all this anger, just love yourself. Say, Tom over and over again, whether you mean it or not. I love you, I love you, I love you. Over and over. Tom, I love you, I love you. And take another slow cleansing breath. And then just look at your landlord and say, Landlord, I'm sorry I feel so pissed off <laughs> whenever I think of you. Sorry I feel so angry when I look at you, landlord. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Over and over again with slow breaths. And lastly, slow breath in. Landlord, please forgive me for feeling 
so much anger when I think of you. <sighs> please forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. And now another slow cleansing breath. If you want, you can have a sip of coffee. And in any order you like, you're going to say to yourself, you're going to say to your landlord, and you're going to say to the anger. In the context of love, you're going to say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, over and over. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. Thank you, I love you, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Over and over and over again. And take one more slow cleansing breath. And just check yourself from head to toe. And what are you feeling now? I'm still angry with him. So because you he's, I, because I know that yeah. he's, I know that that his behavior will continue, no yeah. matter what I feel. Yeah, he's just going to still be um, disruptive. So what I yeah. would suggest to you, only yeah. because I know you probably don't want me sitting here all day, is you would just the same way you did with your um, despair, you mm -hmm. release that. There's much, much anger in there. You would do round after round, and just whenever you walk in around town. You could say all four sentences. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And re uh, eventually, a lot of that will dissipate. Or if you don't want to say all four, you can just pick your favorite phrase and just walk around town. Anytime you think of anything or him, just say over and over again, I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank you. I thank you. Thank you. And little by little, everything dissipates. And what's interesting, this is my favorite part of Ho'oponopono. Once you release all that anger inside of you towards him and in general, my experience is his behavior will start to change. I know that sounds like magical thinking, and I'm sure you don't believe it. I don't. But I recommend that you and your audience just experiment with it, because I have seen miracles happen. And that's just one more technique, Ho'oponopono. Uh -huh. <laughs> so well, any thoughts or feelings about that process? Well, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, uh, it's worth playing with. Probably, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it doesn't, it doesn't um, always... You know, Rome wasn't built in one day, but it's nice that we released your despair and we did a little bit on the anger. But if you keep doing this, you know, I no, think if I, if I released if, release. if if I released all of my anger, yeah, it would fill up that ship that was stuck in the canal. Yes, so maybe it'll take a couple of days at least. A couple of days, <laughs> take longer than it took to to, to release the, that ship. Um. Well, at least you're getting funnier. Well, You're making me laugh. Anyway. That's good. Well, that's my that's my job. That was our yeah. that was our our goal, right? Yeah, for you to be funnier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now this is nice. I really uh, appreciate being here with you. It's a great opportunity. It's good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Um, so, um, what do I ask you next? Well, would you like to ask me about? you know, how people can learn all these methods? Or what, what's interesting to you? I mean, do you, you've been interviewing people since when? Like 1980 or something like that? Oh, try 1970. 1970, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I'm more curious about your questions than, than You mine. wanna know the magic question? What is the magic question? I, t I, I teach this to, to all of, uh, every, every reporter who has ever worked for me. Uh-huh. And that's a lot. Um, if you ever get stuck, yeah. If you ever have a brain fart and you <laughs> don't, you just don't know what to, to yeah. what to ask next. Everything that you that you thought about has just vanished from your mind, and you're you're blank, right? Yeah. You can always say, "What's the challenge in that?" So, what's yeah. the challenge in your work? 
So see, it works. You see how good it works? <laughs> it's so wonderful. Yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the challenge in my work is... I'll that's, just, that's I'll so just shoot funny. from the That's just yeah. so funny because well, I, I... Did my face completely change when you asked bit, me that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what did I look like? No, no, but you're, you're not funny. It's just the situation is right, funny. Right, right. That I actually, like, got to use it. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, my kids... But it's a serious question. My kids tell me all the time I'm not funny when I'm trying. Yeah. I'm only right. funny when I don't try. So, so but, but, I, but, yeah. it's a, but it's a serious question. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So... So I went through a process. When you asked me that question, uh -huh. the first thing I felt was anxiety in my own heart. Uh -huh. like it brought up anxiety. Uh -huh. And I suppose that the hardest part of my job, being a very caring person, is that when you spend your days seeing people who are suffering, yeah. it's very painful. Like sometimes I'll cry. Uh -huh. Sometimes, you know, depending on what's happening, you know, I might even have a nightmare or something like that, huh. if someone's told me a really traumatic story. Mm -hmm. But what helps me through it is that because of the things that I've learned over the last 33 or so years, I know that I can help people no matter how bad a situation they're in, and that always keeps me inspired. But I would say one of the more challenging things is in the moment, you know, you got to dig deep. And sometimes, you know, I think one of the best attributes that a therapist can have is just authenticity and if you're present uh -huh. with someone in their pain you know that's that's difficult yeah but it's also enriching i think it's mm -hmm. it's made me the person that i am today mm -hmm. i've learned to value pain and suffering and the process of releasing it hmm. so i would say that is a very challenging part of my job but also ironically the part that inspires me the most it, huh. and inspires me to just want to do it and, and help people was this was this your your life's goal when you were young well my life i started out as a investment counselor really yeah wow when i lived in new york i studied uh -huh. economics at brooklyn college huh. and in my last year of college i um, started studying finance in addition to that at the New York Institute for Finance and I had some I do hear a little New York in there. Yeah, a little yeah. Brooklyn. A little you know, bit. Just a little bit. Just a we tiny get a little bit. Yeah. Get a body. Yeah. So, you know, when I got out of college, I was gung-ho on being an investment advisor huh. and I became very depressed and I became suicidal actually. Wow. I was just at the end of my rope and I started soul searching mm -hmm. to see how do I get to be happy again? And I thought of all kinds of things. And one of the things that I remembered was throughout my life, my happiest moments were moments when I was helping others. Hmm. And so I just, I went on kind of a vision quest. I went traveling in the world and explored my creative side. Where'd you go? I went to Israel, which uh -huh. I'm, a, I'm a Jewish kid from Brooklyn. So wow. if you want to quit your life and just do anything and not have your parents disapprove, just go to Israel and I've never met a life. I've never met a Jew named Dino. <laughs> it's just a nickname. Oh, okay. I, I, so I, I grew up in. Ever seen Avalon? The movie Avalon. Yes. That's my neighborhood. I lived around in the corner from Nostrand Avenue, where there was a, there was a theater called the Avalon, Kings Highway and Nostrand Avenue. I don't know. If we you had know. one too. You had one too. Yeah, but that that takes place. That's Barry Levinson. All right. Who I, you know we we went to the same schools and and. Uh, and so you're from Brooklyn? No, I'm from Baltimore. Oh, you're from Baltimore. Because Avalon is, from, is about Baltimore. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that's interesting because I really had never met a, a, a Jew named Dino. I think it's, I, I love the concept. Yeah, I do know? too. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I had a, fr- a friend when I was a kid who was, he was a, an Italian Jew named Palazzolo. <laughs> but my real name is Brian, so it's just ah, a very typical. Gotcha, gotcha. You know? And at yeah. one point when I started traveling the world, I took on the name Dino because I uh-huh. figured life would be more fun, and, and I was right. Yes. <laughs> Everywhere <laughs> I went. <laughs> People were very excited, right, right? About my name, of course. That's a great. <laughs> oh. That's a great idea, you know. Yeah. No, because what I, I I grew up in a, in a Jewish neighborhood, and and you know when it in was Baltimore in Baltimore, yeah. When it was when it was uh, when it was a Jewish holiday, it was like it was like like me and, and three black kids in the whole school, right? You know? Right. Uh, so um, uh, and when I moved here, I I was here for about a week, and I called up my friend Art Levine, and I said. Art, what do I do? I can't find any Jews. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I lived in Hawaii for 10 years before I moved here. Wow. And when I moved here, I had no idea, but I, quote unquote, you know, synchronistically or accidentally uh-huh. moved into the most na- uh, Jewish neighborhood <laughs> in the states of Oregon or Washington wow. in Southwest Portland. So <laughs> like my first day driving to work, I, I felt like I was in Borough Park, I saw Pasita, you know, in Crown Heights. I, I used to work in those weddings yeah. as, a, as a waiter. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> I, I forget what you asked me originally. Yeah, we kind of got off track, okay. but I hope you don't it's, mind it's, tangential it's, thinking. It's, it's, no, that's, that's, that's the essence of what we You're do You're a lot of fun to talk yeah. to, <laughs> I, I have to say. This is um, really fun. And, uh, and it was f- also funny when I moved here because uh, because I grew up in a Jewish neighborhood, my language was peppered with, with Yiddish. Really? What words... Uh, well, all remember. the usual ones, you know, schmuck and, you know, <laughs> it's always the swear words. And Vesmir and Oive and all that. Right. You know, it was just, just, a, just a part of my everyday life. Yeah, that's And then funny. I moved here. Yeah. And people were like, what? 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 Who are you calling a schmuck? <laughs> <laughs> really? no, they don't even know what schmuck meant. They didn't even know what it meant. Yeah. They it and so I, I had to drop all those words <laughs> from my vocabulary until, until I, I, at one point I found a Jewish girlfriend. Oh, okay. And I brought them all out of mothballs. Yeah. Of course, we broke up, but oh. that's okay, you know? Well, I but guess you shouldn't have called her a schmuck. I didn't call her a <laughs> I'm schmuck. I'm joking. I did not call her. <laughs> They don't like that. <laughs> she called me a shiksa. But anyway. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Anyway. There's a word for everything. It's true. It's As true. a therapist, I try to stay away from those uh, shaming words and just use beautiful words. All right. You know me. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so um, how'd you get to Hawaii? Well, I was living in California in the Bay Area. Ah. And um, my wife at the time... Uh, was from South Africa and uh-huh. used to living in beautiful places. And we both, we met in school in uh, the California Institute for Integral Studies, where we both studied creative arts therapy, drama therapy. Uh-huh. And at one point she just said, that's it, I'm tired of living here. It's a terrible accent. <laughs> I don't know, that's not a good accent. That's anyway, okay. she said, I'm tired of living here. Let's move to Hawaii. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> and so we moved to Hawaii. There were uh-huh. great jobs there at the yeah. time because at the time uh, the, uh, there was a family that sued the state of Hawaii because their kid had committed suicide, and they sued the state because they said there weren't enough mental health services there. And right after that, there was this um, federal mandate called – the, the case was called Felix versus Wahi. Uh-huh. Overnight – Hawaii had to create an entire infrastructure of therapists. And so I went there 
and got a job. And within a few min uh, moments or months of getting that job, um, the company went out of business. So me and my ex and two other therapists fo formed a company called Hawaii Counseling Services. And overnight, we had like 500 clients. And wow. Just, I was there for 10 years and did that. And then when my kids became school-aged, we decided to move somewhere where there were more activities, less fighting. And so we, uh, we came to Portland, like many other yeah. Hawaiian young families, uh -huh. to find you know, activities and schools. And it was really funny. This is a funny story. When I first came to Portland, it was right at the time. It was like um, 2007. It was right at the time when the schools here were cutting all the arts mm -hmm. and dropping their budgets. Mm -hmm. And my neighbor across the street asked me, so why would you guys move here from Hawaii? And I said... Well, we came here for the schools, but at the <laughs> time, everything was being cut. Yeah. And he told me months later when we became good friends, he says, I swear when you said you came for the schools, we, we were sure you were in the witness protection program <laughs> because of my accent and my name. They were like, hey. But, but I promise you I was not in the witness protection You don't program. have much of an accent. Not anymore. But, no, no. You know. Accents are funny. Yeah. You know, uh, I had to get rid of it when I was an investment counselor. I understand. Because I called yeah. people, you know, in North Carolina, everywhere, and they were yeah. like, I don't need no damn city slick yeah, call right. me from New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because um, when I became a broadcaster, I had to, to, to drop oh, the accent. You know? Did you record yourself and change your accent? That's what I did. I, not really. You know, I mean, I, I kind of knew what I sounded like. But, well, um, how do you sound like if you're in Baltimore? Like, let's how you doing, hein? <laughs> I'm from Palmer, Maryland. <laughs> the whole liquid L's. Yeah, and the, that's oh, nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in Brooklyn, there's well, a few different ones. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, it's the same everywhere. It's funny. The, the woman who is the CEO of all classical Portland, the radio station, yeah. is from Philly. Yeah. And I, I had her on uh, in the podcast, and we just, and she turned her Philly accent on. All right. I turned my Baltimore accent on, which is they're very similar. Yeah. You know? And it was very, very funny. You know? Yeah. And, but the thing was, she could do, you know what she could do? What? She could she could do the perfect um, NPR accent. Oh really? Oh my God! She was it was amazing. Wow! It was just like turned it on, you know, and it was like oh my what God! What a contrast! Yeah, yeah, but it was perfect. I did, one time I had a uh, I did a story on um, the associate uh, director of the Oregon Symphony, uh, and he was from Baltimore. We went to the same high school, and it was a TV. as when I was doing Oregon Art Beat, and. Uh, so we shot this conversation where we talked in, in with a Baltimore accent, yeah. and nobody could understand it. So I put it up. <laughs> I put up subtitles so people knew what the fuck we were talking about. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, getting re reincorporating, getting back to the anger issue you brought up. Mm -hmm. A really good therapy method if you're angry is uh -huh. to use a Brooklyn accent. It's like oh. <laughs> to get my kids to be healthy when they were little. Like yeah, I got two little twin girls when they uh -huh. were like seven, and my son was like nine. I would teach them to talk Brooklyn. And the idea was you could swear but not swear at someone. And there were certain words like the B word you couldn't use. So one day we're all sitting around and like swearing and their mom walks in and she's like, Dina, what are you teaching them? And then my little girls and my son all in sort of unison, they said, we're learning to talk Brooklyn, mommy. What the fuck? What the fuck? But, you know, I just think that's, that's a healthy funny. release. You know? That's funny. Yeah, it is. She, it she is. didn't agree with it me. Is, but it is. What are you going to do? Well, that's one, of the th that's one really good thing about podcasts. Yeah. We can swear. You can say anything. Yeah, right. yeah. I remember when I first moved here, I had never said a cuss word 
in my whole, and I had had already 20 years in broadcasting, right? Yeah. TV and radio. Yeah. And, um, and some comedian asked me to be on his, his cable access yeah. show and you can, and you can say anything there. And I was for the, that was the first time I ever said fuck on the air. <laughs> and it was like, it was like, <laughs> this, this, this came over me, you know, right. and what is, oh my God. what did I just do? Right. Like you, it was taboo. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Lightning was about to strike. Well, you. it's because of one of the seven, seven George Carlin, seven words. You That's can't, right. can't say. That's right. Yeah. Well, do you know Tony Robbins, the motivation yes. speaker, yes. the real tall guy? Yeah, yeah. So in the last 10 years, one of his big interventions now is swearing at people <laughs> so that he like knocks them off their, their pattern. So they're in some <laughs> conference and everyone's being prim and proper and suddenly he just looks at him with his you know huge size and he's like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about you know and it's just like completely throws a person and then they heal so yes yeah, so in our in our group like i said at the beginning it's of the funny group, i was just about to ask you about your group oh thank you yeah yeah so the name of what the group is, it? Yeah. is called the art of happiness and uh -huh. i can't take credit for the name for two reasons one is my girlfriend suggested the name to me and I was like oh that's an amazing name yeah. and then like after starting the group three months later I googled it mm -hmm. and apparently the Dalai Lama wrote a book called The Art of <laughs> Happiness and I'm like oh fuck now I'm going to get sued by the Dalai Lama yeah, and I yeah, thought yeah. Well, Dalai Lama's not going to sue me He's, he wants right. everyone to be happy but then I said well if he does that would make a great story right. but, but anyway the name of the group is The Art of Happiness and um, it meets Tuesday evenings which it's going to meet tonight from uh, 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. It's mm -hmm. a Zoom meeting. So if yeah. you're anywhere yeah. in Oregon, because I'm only mm -hmm. licensed in Oregon, mm -hmm. you can be part of that group. And uh, it costs $200 a month, and we mm -hmm. meet every week. And every time you come, you fill out a form that says how you're feeling as far as happiness, sadness, anxiety, and mm -hmm. anger. And at the end of the group, you do it too. And then over time, we track your progress. And you, you learn all kinds of techniques, from neurological techniques to physical techniques to cognitive behavioral techniques, how to manage your thoughts and feelings. And the good news is everyone's getting happy and calm. And right now with COVID, you know, you said the New York Times article didn't have a solution. This is my attempt at a solution. Anyone yeah. who's feeling some suffering from being around, you know, during COVID times, which, you know, who isn't, they can call me. Um, if, they, if they email me at dino at dinoparis.com, I can send them a flyer yeah. or just call me on my phone. The link will be up on the page. The link will be up on the page. So yeah. Thank you. And it's, I'm really excited that you brought me here to do this because <laughs> that's, that's my way of spreading the word. So yeah. thank you. And thank you. Thanks for your thanks for your time. I and, hope you had a uh, good time. Yeah, and as, as I like to Are you say, feeling a little better, a little <laughs> bit better, a little bit better. I don't know why, but I don't uh, know why either. Yeah, but really. it works. But as we like to say at the end of each show, that's entertainment. Thank you so much, Tom. <laughs> All right.